Yes. Yes, we honor our veterans. Amen. Veterans Day is Friday, and uh, I want to pray over our veterans. I'd like for you, if you've served in our, in our military, uh, and as a veteran, either you served or you currently serve, and I'd like for you to stand to your feet if you would, because we, wanna, we just want to pray for you, and uh, we want to honor you, and thank you for your service. My own, my own daughter can't be here this morning, because, uh, or today, because she's serving uh, her weekend at, at camp at base in, uh, in Knoxville, but we just want to bless you, and I'd like for you, if you would, to stretch forth your hands toward everyone standing, all of our veterans, those that are not standing. Um, uh, Caitlin, stand for your sister, if you don't mind. You'll just stand for Haley Stead. And, and we just want to bless each and every one. Father, I thank you for these men and women who have served, those that are not able to be here today for whatever reason. Father, we remember Friday being Veterans Day. We honor each and every veteran. We're thankful, God, for their service. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to come and be able to worship in a place like this because of men and women that that stand and stand guard over our country, stand guard over our freedoms, and give us the liberty we so much enjoy. Bless each and every man and woman who has served or is serving. Continue to keep them safe and watch over them. Lord, bless their families. Bless them for all that they've done for our country. We honor them now. We just pray, God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now before they're seated, church, let's give it up for our veterans. Woo! We honor you and we thank you for your service. Amen. Praise God, you may be seated. Isn't God good? Well, we have a, a, a vote day, as you know, is coming up. Uh, on Tuesday, and uh, I heard somebody say, I'm not red, I'm not blue, but I'm with Jesus. How about you? I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, we have uh, voter guides out there in the lobby uh, from CCV, Center for Christian Virtue, and I didn't know this, but we are so privileged and blessed today to have the president of that for so many years worshiping with us today that has created this ministry, I call it a ministry, they're doing great things for the kingdom's sake, and for many, many, more than one decade, several decades, Mindy Pendleton's dad is with us, Phil Burst, thank you for what you've done, and we appreciate Citizens for Community Values, it's now Center for Christian Virtue, but you can grab these, it's got all the candidates and what they stand for. To me, voting is very, very simple. You take the Bible, you line up with the candidates and say, which one is more like the Bible? That's the one you vote for. I don't understand why it's so hard for Christians. It's pretty simple if you ask me. Who's the one that matches up with the Bible? Is that a pretty good way to look at it? How many of you think that's a good way to do it? How many of you think that's a good way to do it? Amen. So grab you one of these. You're not going to want to miss that and, uh, and, and take it with you. We've got several out there. In fact, I don't need this. I've been through it already. I'll give this to you, Pete, and we can put it out there later. But uh, I've got, I want to, boy, I've, I've really fought the devil over this. And so I know it's going to hit home. This is, um, I'm getting into a very practical type message this week and next week 
um, on finances. And, you know, why do we even need to fool with finances, Pastor Dallas? What in the world? Well, the number one cause of divorce is financial. So if it's busting up marriages, you better believe it's busting up all kinds of stuff. How many of you know we'll never be able to fund and do things for the kingdom of God until we get control of our finances? How many of you know that we need to get, we need to get ourselves in a good position because we don't know how this world's going to go anyways, but we got to learn how to manage what God has given us. The answer isn't always, God give me more. The answer may be, God hand me, help me to handle better what I have. Can somebody say a good amen? How many want to learn how to handle uh, finances and have help with finances? I mean, to learn the biblical way of doing things. Now, I know many of you may be already debt-free and had your homes paid for for a long time and those kind of things. But there are many in the church and many watching online that, uh, that this is a subject that is, that is causing husbands and wives to be at each other's throats. It's causing anxiety. I, I think the latest stat that I got, I hadn't even got into the message yet, but it's, uh, it, is, it is an astronomical number in America of Americans that live paycheck to paycheck. In other words, if they don't get paid Thursday or Friday, they don't know how they're going to buy their groceries. It, it's, it's, it's an astronomical number, like 40 or 50 percent. I mean, it's unbelievable where we're at in America. And the Bible doesn't teach us to live that way. How many want to live the biblical way and live without some of that junk and live in some freedom? Somebody say amen. amen. So the title of this message today, and next week I'm going to hit some more on this, is how to handle your personal finances. Now, I know that this is going to be, uh, many of you are probably already thinking, oh, great, another lesson on giving. Actually, I'm going to talk very little bit giving and talk more about how to handle the finances. The reason some of you may not be able to give to the level you want is because you're not handling what you have correctly. How many would love to be able to give massively to the kingdom of God? If you watched my message that I did online last week, I told you a story of a young man that said, God, if you'll bless my business, I'll give a million dollars to Reinhard Bonnke to win Africans to the Lord. A year later, God had blessed his business to be able to write a million-dollar missions check. How many would say, you know what, that'd be all right with me. I'd be happy to do that. I'd be glad to fund the ministry. So there's about five of you that will. Okay, well, but praise God, that's one million, two million, three million, four million. Anybody else want to be in on that? How many of you would love to have the kind of resources that God told you, Greg Easton, write a million-dollar check to the ministry. You just pull it out and write it out. Man, wouldn't that be cool? God does that kind of stuff. Do you believe that? He really does. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. And if you have it, I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, 1 through 7. And it'll be on the LED screens. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take. Just let me stop right there. The creditor has come to take. That's what debt does. It just takes from you. The creditor has come to take. In her case, worse than anything we could face in America, my two children to be his slaves. 
And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? What do you have to work with? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go and buy whatever you want. Is that what he said? Go get you some new furniture. Is that what he said? Go buy you a brand new car. Is that what he said? He said, go sell the oil, watch this, and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. I love this here. You have a person who sincerely is asking for God's help. They're in a desperate situation. And two things that God did. God paid her debts off, and God gave her enough to live off. How many of you would that be all right if God started that you on that process today? God paid your debts off and then gave you enough to live off of. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you most of all for your presence. I thank you, Jesus, God, that you are, are a credible God. You, it's at your name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, teach us, God, on this area of finances, God, which, which is so vital in our lives, especially in American society. God, teach us the right way. Give us the discipline, God, to act out what the Word is teaching here. And I pray, God, you get us to a place where we're debt-free as a church. We're debt-free, God, as a people. We're debt-free in every single way. We thank you for this opportunity. And God, we do it for your glory because we know, God, we want to be in a position to be able to fund your kingdom better than we've ever been before. We also, God, want to sleep at night without wondering how we're going to buy groceries. So in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people and say you're going to learn how to handle finances. There is a connection between blessing and stewardship. I firmly believe God is blessing many people, but they're not stewarding it correctly. George Mueller was well known for taking care of orphans. He had a massive orphanage of 2,000 children in England, in the Wales, in the United Kingdom. It's the testimony that in all the years of keeping the orphanage, he never asked anybody for help. As a matter of fact, his journal declares that he had over 25,000 answered prayers to take care of those children. He would go before the Lord and say, well, i got 2,000 hungry kids. I need you to do something for them. And I, I would be here all day teaching and telling you the miracle after miracle. But one comes to mind that on the day they would celebrate their birthday, you know, 2,000 kids in an orphanage, 
no funding, totally dependent on God for years and years. They would take one day a year and celebrate their birthday. Well, on this particular birthday where they celebrated all 2,000 was coming up, and he wrote in his journal and he said, God, I want each kid to get a banana for their birthday. Now, that's the kind of, that's the kind of lack they dealt with. The day before their birthday, he had no idea where he was going to get money for 2,000 bananas or how. He got a, he got a notice that a, a boat came in, a ship came in with bananas on it, and they were going to go bad. They couldn't get them out to market in time. And there were 4,000 bananas that they would like to give the orphanage. He said, man, ain't God good. Double for your trouble, right? A banana for each hand. Praise God. How many of you know God is a provider? Amen. God's a provider. Proper stewardship or handling your money is about learning to give, paying off debts, and accumulating savings. I want you to prosper. I want you to be blessed. What if the Rehoboth God gives us is $5 million? Man, I need you to be $5 million giver. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Would anybody be willing to be, have the kind of resources... They say, well, I'll just give the church $5 million so they can get in their building. Amen. For those of you that raise your hand, praise God. God's getting ready to bless you. Amen. We need to deal with the subject of finances. Why? It's the most talked about subject in, in, in America. At break tables. Oh, I know they're talking about the Houston Astros won last night and all that. Dusty Baker got him one. I know there's some conversation, but predominantly, generally speaking... Most conversations are centered all around money. Baseball players are getting ready to go into free agency. And you better know that they'll say, well, I know Atlanta's my home team. And I know I grew up in Atlanta. And I've always been a Braves family a fan. But, but this is a business. Ask Freddie Freeman who left the Braves for a few measly million dollars. When you're already making $168 million over eight years. And you're going to leave your city and go all the way to the West Coast for a few million dollars to pay way more in taxes and actually make less money than you would. Something's wrong. We got we to get this in order. Somebody say amen. amen. There are three parts to managing money, and we find them in 2 Kings 4. And I'm not going to talk really about the miracle. I'm going to talk about the first few chapters or verses. The first part is your environment. How have you handled money in the past? Debt. Not all debt is bad, but certainly debt is not good. One debt I can think of that I think is not bad, even Dave Ramsey will give an okay on it, is a mortgage. Why? Because it's an appreciable asset. You're actually making money. It's a forced savings account. My neighbor and I were just talking about that the other day. Secondly, behavior. Where are you presently with your money? Cash. Starbucks coffee every day is a lot of money. Five, six bucks a day. Five, six days a week, that's some money there. Pack of cigarettes a day, that's a lot of money right there. Potential. What can your future look like? That's about investment. Are you, are you investing in your future? Do you have a 401k? Do you have a retirement plan? So the points today are going to come in the form of questions to ask yourself. Point number one is this. What has gotten me to where I am? I want you to just ask yourself, just pat yourself on the chest and say, what has gotten me to where I am? Watch the 2 Kings 4, 1 says, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Watch this. 
but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. The environment in which this story is, is that you have a lady whose husband did not set her up for success. He passes away, leaves her with some type of debt, and she's got a big problem on her hands. Here she is, and what has gotten her to where she is, is a mountain of debt with no way to pay it, and she's got a problem. Now, there are several sources of bad financial environments or bad debts. Let me just give you a few. One source of a bad financial environment is constantly looking for a fresh start materialistically. I'm in a new season, Pastor. Man, I got to go get me a brand new car. I got to have the brand new latest this and the brand new latest that. Listen, you cannot change constantly cars, houses, jobs, or you will spend yourself into oblivion. Every time you make a change, it is going to cost you money. Let me say it again. Every time you make a change, it's going to cost you something. It's like a cabbage truck rolling down the road with the sides open. As long as you're going straight and it's smooth, you are right. But as soon as you turn and make a hard left, cabbage rolls are just going to come flying off there and go out in the, in the field. Every time you make an abrupt turn financially, it is going to cost you something. Does that mean we never make change? No, that's not what I'm preaching. What I am saying is, is if you make changes all the time, you are not going to have money to give like your heart wants to give. You are not going to have money set back for retirement and for those golden years. How many know what I'm talking about? Debt comes from changes. Changing the furniture in your house every year is going to cost you. Changing your car every two years is going to cost you. Dear Lord, I hope my car lasts for 20 years. I praise, I don't, man, as long as it fires up and goes, I don't keep driving. They, I, you know what I found better? I like driving them when they're paid for. A lot better. I had somebody in my house one time, and she said, oh, those are, those are you know, there was a couple, they come over, and the wife said, oh, these are pretty plates. And I said, this was like maybe about seven years ago. And Holly and I, we've been married uh, 27 years, almost got in trouble there. <laughs> but I remembered. Uh, the lights are on. <laughs> she said, well, these are pretty. She said, when did you get these? I said, well, we got them when we got married. She looked at me, she said, you... You have the same plates since when you got married? And I looked at her and I said, you don't? Here's what she said. She said, oh, no, I change them every year or two. Do you know how much money it is to change China wear every year or two? That's a lot of money. Another source of a bad financial environment, staying in toxic relationships. People who are, listen to me, people who are broke, busted, and disgusted will drag you down into their lack, their disorder, and their confusion. Get on elevators with people going up, not down. Somebody say amen. amen. Every bad relationship costs you financially. Now, if they're family, you say they're family, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. Well, to get them healed, but don't let them near your pocketbook. Don't empower their habit and their sin. Is this all right today? I told you this would be a little different. There's some people you just can't mess with. 
You can love them. You can pray for them. But you don't need them in your life to hang around them and bring you down. Your friends are a photograph of your future. Your friends are a photograph of your future. In business school, they teach you, listen, in, in business school amongst financial, they, they use it for financial purposes, but it works the same in Christendom. They tell you, take the five closest friends, whatever their e- economics is, whatever their finances are, if they're very wealthy, you're going to be very wealthy. If they're middle class, you're going to be middle class. If they're really poor, you're going to be poor. You take your five closest friends, whatever they are, that's what you're going to be. Well, it works the same way spiritually speaking. If you hang around people that are sinning constantly, they're in sin, they're doing wrong, they're not loving Jesus, guess what? You're going to do the same thing. But if you're around godly people that are praying They're seeking the face of God. They love Jesus. They live and write. Guess what? You're going to do the same thing. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Another source of a bad financial environment is listening to everybody's opinion. My girlfriend, my boyfriend told me I need to buy a new car and get some new clothes this spring. Well, I hope they're writing a check. Media is constantly telling you that you have to change and you're going to get your, until you buy this thing, you're never going to be happy. Everybody wants to spend your money. How many know what I'm talking about? Listen, you don't need a new iPhone every year. These things are $1,000. They're expensive. You know what I learned? People that work at GE and Procter and Gamble, they get one of these brand new every 16 months. And some of these people have some brains in their head. Instead of just changing their phone out, they're like, there ain't nothing wrong with my old phone. And they put them on market, Facebook Marketplace for $400. So you go buy you a brand new iPhone in the cell phone paper, paper package it all for $400. This was a $400 brand new phone almost three years ago. My wife's was a $400 phone almost three years ago. My son's, he's waving his hand. Yeah, that was a present to him almost three years ago. You know what? They still work, and I didn't pay $1,000. I know the iPhone 14 is out, and it's got the laser cameras and all that stuff. Look, I don't even know how to use this one. What do I need all that stuff for? Is this okay preaching today? You, you follow growth, not change. Stop, stop changing for the latest model every five seconds and start growing. Reviews, follow spiritual leadership and godly mentors. Look, here's an idea. Run your big financial decisions past a pastor or a godly leader. How many of you in here, you're totally debt free? I mean, you don't owe a penny on your house, nothing. Raise your hand up. Hold it up high. You owe nothing. Look at this, folks. Keep it up. Keep it up just a minute. Listen. Look, no, no, keep it up, keep it up. I'm doing this on purpose. First of all, praise God, that's about 50% of this congregation. That is awesome. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I know I'm testing you. Okay, everyone else who doesn't have your hand up, when you get ready to make a financial decision, go see one of these people with their hands up. Because they figured it out. Can we give God praise for y'all? That's awesome. 
Shaquille O'Neal was $200,000 in debt with a massive NBA contract. He didn't know, he was blowing money left and right, just like all the athletes. And somebody convinced him to give his money to an old Jewish man to invest for him. Now, after giving his money to this old Jewish man to invest for him, he went from $200,000 in debt as a multi-multi-millionaire basketball player to fabulously wealthy, so much so he's trying to buy the Orlando Magic. Be careful of the people you put in your life and seek the right people. Get some help. Get people to help you with retirement and major purposes. Get financial education. Grow. Seek to grow in an area of financial understanding. Get a budget. Tell your money where to go instead of it just leaving. Somebody say amen. I'm happy to help people with budgets. I've helped many times people. Listen, the environment has gotten you where you are. You have to change your environment to get out. It's called repentance. It's a change of thinking. What is our problem? It's debt. I will never forget. Oh, I don't know what we were thinking. We just, we had, we didn't have two pennies to rub together, Holly. Now we had two little girls and we got this new credit card. And by the grace and mercy of God, it was only a thousand dollar limit. And we thought, boy, man, we're going to have Christmas this year. (laughs) And we did Christmas. Man, we did it big. And it took me, because all we could afford was $100 a month on that credit card, at $1,000 times 18 to 21% interest, it took me and Holly to the next Christmas to pay off the previous Christmas. And by November of the next year, I said, by humbug, ain't nobody getting no gift. <laughs> and they get mad at me, that's just too bad. I'm not going in debt for Christmas again. We never did. So I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's called very bad debt. Dave Ramsey said that's called stupid tax. How many of you ever paid stupid tax before? You can't change where you've been and you can't change what you have done to get where you are today, but you can change what you do when you, where you go from here. Somebody say amen. You will never be able to give to the kingdom of God like your heart desires. Y'all are wonderful people. You are givers. Anytime we try to build a well, $4,800 to put a 1,000 people drinking water in Africa the rest of their life, y'all give in two, three weeks and it's done. Anytime we bring a missions project, you are givers. Your heart is to give. But until we get ourselves in a better financial position, you'll never be able to give like you want to. So the next step in how to handle finances is, is go moves from the environment. Okay, I can't change what has gotten me to where I am, but I can start making some changes today, and that's about behavior. And that leads me to my second point, and that is this. What do I have in my house? Just ask yourself. Tap yourself on the chest and say, what do I have in my house? 2 Kings 4, 2, that's what the man of God said. Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me. What have you in the house? What do you have to work with? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. That's all you need with God. Behavior is all about what you have. It's called the law of awareness. Everybody say the law of awareness. Elisha's first suggestion was to assess, assess, excuse me, what he had to start with, what she did. Cash. How much money do you currently have right now? I mean... Your, your foot's got to hit the bottom of the pool at some point. You got to know where you're working, what you're working with. 
What can I get my hands on that's liquid in the next 24 hours? I don't mean what's, I can eventually sell this and do that. Man, six months I get, what do you have your hands on now? What is my cash liquidity? Most people have no idea. And we deny reality until we open our eyes. Did you know it's scientifically, they, they scientifically proved. How many of you have seen the new signs they have out posted on like a, like a, like a, uh, 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 an electrical pole or somewhere on the side of the road and it's just a little sign telling you how fast you're going. How many have seen that? Have you seen them? They're, they got one by my house now. They have scientifically proven that in a 25 mile an hour zone you will not drive 25 miles an hour until you see your speed on that sign and then you will slow down. They've proven it scientifically. Well, it's the same way with you and I financially. Until we really get a grip on where we truly are, we cannot fix where we're going. How can we fund the kingdom of God and do the things God wants us to do until we get this area fixed? God wants you blessed. One of the stories I'm reminded of is a, is a Pastor Robert Morris and his church. Very successful businessman. Gives millions and millions of dollars away to the kingdom of God every year. He does it because he wants to fund the kingdom and do things great for God. Sell some stuff. What do you have in your house you can sell? Facebook Marketplace. Man, I'm satisfied you can about sell anything on Marketplace. I thought of posting one of my kids. I mean, just sell them all too. Yeah, Aaron's in the back. What? Open your eyes. Numbers don't lie. Check your credit card bill. Balance your checking account monthly. I know people, they never check, they don't have a clue. They don't even know how to balance their checkbook. They say, I don't know. I just look on and it tells me what I have. They don't know if they got fees. They, don't, they have no idea where anything is or what they actually have. Review your direct withdrawals. Research how much money are you spending in different categories. I, had a, I know a couple that did this one time. Listen, this is going to blow you away. blew me away. They said, well, well you know, we, we ate out, you know, but we didn't realize how much we ate out until we started looking at the numbers. Said we ate out. We spent over 900 This is what they said. Over $900 the previous month eating out. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Well, you didn't give your tithe offerings and your firstborn child to the restaurants. Is this true or not? Is this good preaching today? Do you have money to build up an emergency fund and give like you want to? Track your cash flow. Track your spending from January 1 to to, to July 1, that's six months tracking. Listen, one pastor said this. He said, at the end of six months, I saw where we were at and realized we had very little margin and made significant changes. He said, now we are at 20 to 25% of what we were spending from where we were five years ago. That's a big deal. Determine the target levels for each of the groups. Live. Oh, whether we like it or not, taxes and so forth, give and grow. Some will teach you the 10-10-80 rule. Give 10%, save 10%, live off 80%. I say giving 10% is just the start. Listen to me. You will never get out of a financial predicament until you start tithing. Until God is first. 
And until you say, God, you are first and always will be with the tithe, you are never going to get out of it. But then grow 20%. What if you save 10% and you put 10% in retirement? Well, you can't do that, okay. What if you save 1% or 2%? That's better than nothing. Put something back. What would your life be like if you were able to save money monthly and to give regularly? Wouldn't it feel great? Watch for leaks. One man said, I got in the boat. I was going out fishing. I was going to have a great time. He said he backed the trailer in the water. He untied the boat. He went out about 20 feet, and he's standing there, and he said all of a sudden, he said he's feeling his feet get wet. He looked down in water, and he looked back, and he realized he forgot to plug the boat. He said the bow of that boat was rising up. He said the only thing I knew to do was floor it. And he said that thing... And it finally went down and he got to the trailer. He was seconds from sinking that boat. Listen, it's the same way with money. Money's a lot like that. There's some leaks financially. Find where those leaks are. Make a shopping list. Walk out of the store with what is only on the list. And watch them end caps. Holly has banned me from going to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store. She's like, where did these other things come from? I'm like, they look good to me. I don't know. <laughs> she said, we don't need those things. I said, precisely why I'm here. You won't buy them. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Use envelopes. Dave Ramsey's famous for this. Put cash in envelopes to limit discretionary spending. And when the envelope's empty, empty you stop. Please stop credit card purchases that you can't pay for by the statement date. At 18 to 21, sometimes I'm hearing now 24% interest over time at minimum payments is going to cost you thousands. Never carry a balance. And listen, I've heard it all. I know all, oh, but pastor, you know, after so long, I get me a free airplane, airplane flight. Well, by the time you paid all that interest, you could have done flown around the world 10 times on your own dime. Now, I'm not preaching it's wrong. You just need to have very good discipline. Holly and I, we run everything through our personal credit card. I have, we haven't carried a balance in well over 10 years, many, many years, probably 20. And yes, when our family has taken trips to California, I've flown to five of us on points. Yeah, so it can work. But you've got to have discipline and have rules. One, don't go putting something on that credit card that you weren't going to buy anyways or that you can't pay for before the bill is due. So I'm going to say amen. So I get it. I know there's money and all that. No, I'm better than myself. But listen, you get on the wrong side of that credit card and it's going to be a mess. Delay the decisions. Stop impulse buying. Wait 30 days for purchases. I promise you they will make one more. The whole last item thing is a sales pitch. It's hogwash. One man said it this way. I have full faith in the American mercantile system that they'll find a way to make one more. How many know that if there's a hot item, they're going to find a way to keep making it because they want to sell and make money? One lady put her credit card in a, in a, in a, and she put water in a, in a milk jug, in a milk cart, old-fashioned milk carton, and she put the credit card down in there and put it in the freezer. 
She said she did that so when she'd see something she had to have on TV, she'd pull that milk carton out and she'd have to wait for that thing to thaw out before she'd get to it. She said by the time it unfroze to where she could get her hands on the credit card, she didn't want to buy the thing no more. What a great idea. Somebody say amen. amen. Set a cost limit. This is the maximum you can spend without consultation. Gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen. Just don't go out and buy it without your wife's approval. We had a guy in my last church. He called me up. He said, hey. He said, you want to go out on my boat? I said, well, I didn't know you had a boat. He said, I just bought it. I said, okay, I'll go out. It'd be great. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go hunting on this land. He said, it's public land, but it's thousands of acres, and nobody hunts by the river because it'd take you four miles to walk it. So we gonna, I got this boat, me and you going out hunting, and we're going to park that thing on there. And, man, that's where all the big bucks are. So I got out there early one morning, man. We got on the boat. We're all excited. And, man, we get in that thing, and we go about 20 feet, and then <laughs> the engine stalls. He goes, row! Man, I'm getting, man, we're rowing as fast as we can, trying to get back. We get back. Well, that was the end of that hunting day. He says, I don't know what's going on. He takes it back. He gets the engine fixed. We do it again. Next week, same result. I said, man, what is going on? It's like this thing is cursed. And he goes, well. I said, well, what? He said, well. He said, I didn't tell him. Well, he said, let me just tell you the story. He said, I decided one day, he was a brick mason and owned his own company. He said, I thought, well, I want me a boat. I'll get over on the backside of this land and I'll, I'll just buy me a boat. So he went in there to buy. And he said, his wife just happened to drive along and saw him. And she pulled in. She said, what are you doing? He said, I'm buying a boat. She said, don't you think you should consult me first? He said, well, I thought I'm the one that makes the money in this house. So he said, I told her. Well, I got a business and I make money. If I want to buy me a boat, I'm going to buy me a boat. No, I don't need to talk to you. She said, okay, have fun with that. Drove off. I said, Jeff, you should have told me before I got up early two mornings in a row and came out here rowing on the Chattahoochee River because you didn't want to consult your wife. Somebody say a good amen. amen. Watch for gimmicks. Sales and incentives. Save more. Move, move money out of your checking into savings automatically. They'll do that for you. Save three to six months worth of expenses. You know, Dave Ramsey says take three months. If you get a weekly paycheck, then all you really need is three months. If you're on commission, then you need six months. Put it back. What would it be like in your world if you had no debt and a six-month emergency fund in the bank? Wow. Can you imagine the peace? Well, I got called off for the next two weeks. Well, I guess I'm going on vacation because I got six months in the bank and I don't owe nobody nothing. Is this okay? Can you imagine the lack of anxiety in your life? Major life events. Listen, major life, this is what the latest statistic is. Major life events now happen every eight months. Every eight months, you're going to need to put a new air conditioner in your house. Your roof's going to be, you're going to need a new roof. If you raise kids, Holly and I went through this the last 10 years. Buy them a car, 
Tell them, check the water level, check the oil level. Okay, Dad, I'll do it. And then they don't, and they call, the car's steaming. Something's wrong. They done cracked the head. On to the next car. This happened multiple times with my children. Well, that stuff ain't free. Ain't nobody lining up saying, hey, here's another car because they didn't bother checking this. So finally, I learned. I said, well, okay, you know what? That's it. <laughs> Next time, you buying your own car. <laughs> to this day, Haley's like, oh, Dad, I got to go to base. Can you check my oil for me? <laughs> braces. Do you know how much money it costs to put three kids in braces? I started figuring this out. I thought, you know, I'm having heart palpitations. <laughs> three kids in braces? Well, that was almost $15,000. I bought each girl two cars, gave my son one better than them, so they're all about the same. So, okay, that's, you know, that's another almost $15,000. I needed a roof. That's another $8,600. I needed air conditioning. The windows were bad. Dear God, everything went bad the last 10 years. And it, I'm not talking about a $50 problem. I'm talking about massive problems. If you don't have money set back or saving up money, how are you going to pay for that? Well, the, the American way is, well, I'll just go more debt. Look, have no car note, or at most have only one car note. But for whatever you do, don't have two car notes. Make your total housing expense under 28%. That includes your note, insurance, maintenance, HOA, and taxes. Cash. This is your current reality. And that leads me to the last step, and that is this. Point number three. What can I do with what I have? Would you just, just ask yourself that? Say, what can I do with what I have? All right, nobody asked yourself that. Let's try it again. <laughs> what can I do with what I have? Second Kings 4, 3. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. That's about potential. She increased her potential by faith, and then the Lord began to pour into those vessels. Those empty vessels were her investments. She used what she had, and when she ran out, the oil ran out. Now, here's a few vessels that you can use. Personal investment. Do whatever you need to do in order to grow your company or grow your role or grow into extra income. Buy books or courses online that are going to teach you personally. The profits will multiply itself many, many times over. What can you do to make some extra money? Yeah, I can tell you, for Holly and I, we, we're out of it now. We sold the business, but for, I don't know, the last eight years, we've been cutting grass on the side. Is it fun to try to pastor a church and go cut grass when all your friends are playing golf and all this, that, and the other? No, it ain't fun. But every time I fired that lawnmower up and cut another yard, that was a car that one of my kids was going to tear up. That was a college bill. That was a wedding. That was a roof. That was a new windows. That was an air conditioned unit. And the list could just go on and on and on and on and on. And I finally said, man, all the kids are grown. All y'all off payroll, baby. <laughs> Every one of y'all's off payroll. 
And I'm like, okay, you know what? It was hard, but we paid all that stuff in cash. We do own our house about 12 more years, but I'm praying for God to pay that off. But I stand behind There's a lot of hard work, a lot of energy, a lot of sweat, blood and tears, and you name it. Physical exhaustion, you name it. But we did what we had to do, and now we got them all off payroll. So now the accidents are on them and not us, and I'm praising God. Life's a little bit easier. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it feels good. I don't even own a lawnmower. I got the people that bought my business come cut my grass. Matter of fact, I'm going to call them this week. Hey, I need you to come cut it one more time. Amen. Life's kind of good. Amen. Somebody say amen. It feels good to wake up and be like, you know, just a pastor. Praise God. Patient investment. Save and invest. Pay down debt little by little. Use the snowball effect. Pay your smallest debt, then your next biggest one, and your next biggest one. A 401k is a great example of increasing little by little by little. Passive investment, step out in faith. How can, where, how can you invest in high growth companies? Can you, you can't invest without cash. Maybe you get into rental real estate. Maybe a business run by a team. How about retirement? The sooner you begin, the less cash you have to put into retirement. So you give yourself more years for the interest to compound. If you had to retire today, let me ask you this. How much do you have and how long can you live on it? If you had to retire today, how much do you have and how long can you live on it? Here's why I say that. One person lived 32 more years after retirement. In today's money, if you live 32 more years after retirement, you're going to need $2 million in the bank. Did you know in some cases health insurance for the elderly is $3,000 a month? That's $36,000 a year. Brothers and sisters, your Social Security ain't going to cover that. How are you going to eat? So here's the conclusion. Put a budget together if you don't already have one. Figure out where money's going. How can you save and start paying down credit card debts? Pastor, I, I came for a word. Well, this is a word. This is God saying, hey, man, I need you to get your finances in order. Listen, the economy's not going to get better. Let me not be, let, do, do you not read in the papers that we're about to hit a massive diesel shortage? They say when you hit that diesel shortage in a couple of months, you better look out because that's affecting shipping in every form of fashion. You think groceries is high now. Try to find them in January and February when there's no diesel. Everything in your house came on a truck. Let me say that again. Everything in your house, including the house itself, came on a truck. When you run out of diesel fuel, which fuels the motors that pull them semis down the road, how are you going to get your stuff? Look, we got to get ourselves in a better position because what if God wants to do something incredible through our church for ministry? What if God said, I want to take you people at Bridge of Hope and I want you to fund the kingdom in Africa and you're going to see millions of people saved? I'd say, man, praise God, let's do it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to show you how to pay off debt quickly, how to save money, how to put a plan in place. 
I'm going to teach extensively on this next week about putting God first. What would your life be like if you had no debt and money in the bank? Think about that. What ministries could you give to? What could you do for the Lord? What could you do for your family? What could our church do if we all lived this way? Environment is about, this has gotten me to where I am today. Behavior is about what do I do going forward? What do I do with what I have now? And then potential is, man, what can I take and use for the glory of God? Pastor, this isn't a very spiritual message. I think it's very spiritual. As a matter of fact, if you study the scriptures, Jesus taught more on money and possessions than he did love. Let me say that again. Jesus and the recorded scriptures taught more on money or possessions than he did love. One out of six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke deal with a person's money and their finances. Sixteen of the 29 different parables Jesus used were about money and possessions. It's a big deal. And there are people walking around in churches that are so filled with anxiety because they're so far up to their eyeballs in debt and they don't know what to do. The answer is put a plan in place today and start moving forward. Is this all right today? How many, you know, my dad was 80 when he retired. Not because he had to work, he just liked it. My mom's 83, she works three days a week still. She enjoys it. It's one thing to work when you want to, but how many of you want to be 90 and you still got agreed at Walmart because you got nothing, no pennies to rub together? Nobody. Who wants to do that? I'd like for you to bow your heads and